This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, welcome to IntelliCast. How you doing, everybody? This is Brian Lamar, joined by Brian Peterson. How are you, sir? I am doing all right. How about you? I'm doing all right. I feel like we haven't recorded in a while. Because we haven't. It's been yeah. a couple weeks. It has been a couple weeks. <clears throat> we have a few news stories. Um, talk a little bit about conferences. Um, and who knows what else we'll talk about? Yeah. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. This is a telecast. This is our sixth season. This is our 17th episode of this season. And you can find us um, on Twitter at EMI underscore research. You can email us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. We're also at IntelliCast1 on Twitter. And you can text us 513-401-5463. What should we talk about? Well, we are officially in summer now, which is part of the reason we haven't recorded in a couple weeks. Uh, you and I were both in and out of the office and didn't really have time to sync up over the last couple of weeks. I know you were doing some business travel. We had yep. a couple personal trips mixed in there. So yeah, more just getting back into the swing of things. Yep. So um, coming out of our last episode, when we were talking conference locations, we did get some feedback from listeners. So do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So we had a conversation about really something this part of Hilton Head, which is an odd location for a conference. And um, I think this feedback was pretty similar to what I've heard also. Hilton Head was super expensive, hard to get to. Um, a lot of people flew into Savannah, and then there was no easy way to get back and forth to Savannah. The Hilton Head Airport, which I went to as we dropped off a coworker there, it looked like, I don't know, like an airport you might see at some little island in Bahamas or something. Mm-hmm. Tiny little airport. And so it was super expensive. I mean, it was nice. I mean, the hotel was nice. It was right on the, right on the freaking ocean, so it was nice. Um, and so there was a lot of challenges getting there. Um, so this person suggests maybe we go to different cities, and that's what we thought we'd talk about, right? Yeah. So the suggestion that came in was what was, quote, second-tier city. So not your Chicago's, New York's, L.A.'s, yeah. but Charlotte, New Orleans, Nashville, Philadelphia, Cincinnati were named – but cities like that, I think I would throw in a Columbus in there as well. Yeah. Um, Minneapolis. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think most conferences seem to be in Atlanta, New York, Chicago. Those are the three big ones. And those are good. They're all big hubs. Um, I like Dallas. I think, is it, wasn't it Quarks that announced they're going to Dallas next year? Yeah, and so it's, they're taking it out of L.A., going to Dallas, but then going back to L.A. So I think that's a good thing. Um, Dallas is obviously a big market, and it's at least west of the Mississippi. It's nice to help out our western half of the U.S. sometimes. I think Denver would be a good spot, underutilized. Yeah, um, Denver's a good one. Denver's easy to get at. I, I look yeah, at it. Located. 
I look at it, the airport quality, like flights in and out of, are there lots of flights? Is it any sort of hub or are there lots of direct flights from multiple places? Denver yeah. for sure. Cause that is a major hub out West. Yeah. Um, Dallas as well. Minneapolis. You could throw Detroit probably in there too. I mean, the Detroit airport's pretty big as well. So. But you also, yeah, you need the combination of a good airport that has a lot of direct flights and international flights, ideally, and a lot of research. And so most of these cities we've listed certainly meet that criteria. It's nice to mix it up. I think the chapters definitely mix it up. Yeah. Uh, so we're, our fall conference rotates generally between Cincinnati, Detroit, St. Louis, Chicago, and then we threw a Minneapolis curve this year. Um, who knows where it'll be in the future. And then we have a Florida conference, typically. It was in Miami a couple of years ago. I think we're having one probably in Fort Lauderdale this January. Okay. So, and then, you know, there's one in Las Vegas later in September. Um, the West and the whatever the Texas chapter is, Southwest, I think. Um, yeah. Most chapters combined for a conference. So they're in Las Vegas, which if you're in the West, that's just like, how do you, not, you have to choose Las Vegas, right? Right. Uh, I mean, you ha- it has a good airport, lots of travel, easy and in and out of. Lot, yeah, lots of fun weekend around it. A me- so the other thing I look for is one hotel cost of like, are there decently priced hotels travel type to those places? I think that should be taken into consideration. In Las Vegas, I mean, we know there are sub $100 flights to Vegas yeah. every day. You can get deals on hotels. You don't have to stay on the strip. Even on the strip, you can probably find a reasonably priced hotel. I, I just don't like the going to the resort type yeah. locales. Like Hilton Head is a spring break fam, like not quite family vacation, but that is a vacation type destination. I get the thought process behind it, but yeah. that increased the costs overall. Um, SampleCon did a good thing. I really liked it. They were in New Orleans and Austin for many, many years, um, which was great. It kind of added that. Kind of a fun little conference location that wasn't like mm-hmm. a resort. Um, right. Austin and New Orleans are kind of similar towns, I think, that, I don't know, just unique towns in the U.S. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. No, yeah. tell me I'll never go to is Boston. That's true. Boston doesn't normally come up, and I would put that in that top tier with like a New York, yeah. Chicago, L.A., but yet yeah. not in Boston. Maybe it's because of the proximity to New York. Maybe. Yeah. There's a lot of research, obviously, up there. Yeah. Um, speaking of conferences, here's where they're going to be. Works, New York City, right around the corner. Yeah. Less than a month. Yeah. Quirks, New York City, July 19th and 20th. Um, Inside Association Leadership Event, August 1st through 3rd in Chicago. I wish I was going. I'm still going to try to figure out how to get there. <laughs> I don't see myself getting there. Um, and then we're having chapter event Indianapolis, August 17th at Top Golf. You will be there. You will be there. I'll be driving. So if anyone wants a ride in Cincinnati, between here and Indianapolis, I'll pick you up. Um, Our fall conference is in Minneapolis, September 6th through 8th. Um, Insights Marketing Day. Yes. September 28th. Will you and assistant producer Emma be there? We will be. We have fall events in Cleveland, Louisville, Minneapolis, St. Louis. CRCs in Chicago, November 1st through 2nd, another popular conference. I think we're going to have an event on Halloween. Ooh. Anti-association chapter. So, you know, dress up and bring your candy. Let's go have some fun. Yeah. And then 24, 
I've got three conferences already for 2024. Oh, boy. Okay. Inside Association Annual Conference, April 8th through 10th, 2024 in Atlanta. Good spot. Yep. Fun. Um, Inside Association, CRC, September 17th through 19th, 2024 in New York City. And then the Corks Dallas we talked about earlier. Yes. It's kind of fun to talk about conferences, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not realize we had all those dates out for 2024 already. Yeah, Inside Association sent out a note, which I, it's, I mean, it's amazing they booked this far in advance. Um, September of 2024. I mean, kudos to them, man. That's work. Yeah. Well, probably also you have a lot of conferences and stuff going to New York if you want to get the spot you want, book early. Yeah, probably so. Um, conferences. If you haven't thought about conferences, where they should be, um, let us know. Give us feedback. This is our opinion. Yeah. Maybe you want to go to LA and Seattle and say Salt Lake. Man, Salt Lake, like uh, the Qualtrics Conference. Yeah. Never maybe, been maybe, that good spot. Maybe you like Hilton Head. Maybe you like turning the confer- work stuff into the vacation. Yeah. So um, give us feedback. Yeah. What else should we talk about? Uh, I think it's probably time to jump into some news. What do you think? Um, love to. All right. First up, um, I know this news story made you a little, we'll call it giddy. Um, Momentum has has announced that it is returning to its original name, Survey Monkey, as part of their as it was announced by their new CEO, Eric Johnson. Johnson was named CEO following the completion of the company's acquisition by the investor group led by Symphony Technology Group. What do you think? Well, first off, this this might have been the first name that we started railing on. When SurveyMonkey changed its name to Momentum, that's when I felt, and I think a lot of people felt, that you had a really a big brand name that went outside of research. Like lots of normal, not say normal, like out, people outside of research have heard of SurveyMonkey. Yep. Change it to Momentum, a made-up word. It didn't make any sense to me. So good job. I mean, kudos to the Survey Monkey team. We never have to use that stupid word ever again. I what percent do you put on us, our influence on the on the reverting the name back to Survey Monkey? Uh, realistically zero, facetiously, probably like fifty. Oh, I think it's twenty minimum. Twenty percent of the rationale was because we won't stop we won't shut up about it on the podcast. Maybe as high as sixty. But I expect other companies to do the same thing. This is gonna. This is the, the. We've hit the tip, and now we've gone the other side. We're going back the other direction. We're going back to normalcy and naming companies. None more of this other stuff is gonna happen. We're going back to see some. What are your next <clears throat> traditional or legacy brand names you want to see come back? Oh, I probably shouldn't mention them. Okay, but you know who they are. <laughs> we all know who they are. You know, it's the, it's the heritage names that have been around forever, and they're gone. Um, so I expect them to come back, and I'm excited for Survey Monkey and Eric Johnson. Good job, Eric Johnson. Um, I'd like to know what kind of feedback they got to revert it back to their original name. Um, I don't know. That that would be interesting to find, to know. And you know, that's what they do. Is you know, Survey Monkey gets feedback. So I'm assuming they got feedback that led to that decision and can be a lesson, a lesson to other brands in the future. 
but good story. I'm, I was so excited to read this. Made me happy. I, I know. I know. I think you texted me when I was off. Yeah. Like, we have to talk about this. I wanted to do an emergency podcast, like, at, you know, a Thursday at 8 p.m. Uh, but anyway. All right. Our next one. Scent and Publishers Clearinghouse have partnered to increase access to respondents. Uh, Publishers Clearinghouse has an online audience that they report of more than 50 million registered users. And they've also launched a platform called PCH Consumer Insights, which offers access to this audience for market research. What do you think about that? Um, first off, it's good news. When you have access to 40 million people, you need those people in research. We have access to them. That's a great deal. Um, so kudos to Vint um, on this um, partnership. But this also leads me to why data changes. Um, yep. You know, we, we consider Scent to be a panel. We were partners with them. We've worked with them a long time. You add 40 million registered users at the drop of a hat, and it may not be instant. There'll be some integration challenges. And it's going to affect, you know, your database. It's going to affect the data that comes out of it. And so this is something, you know, panels don't often come out with a press release with, hey, we now have a deal with like. Right. And most of the deals are not published with Clearinghouse, but it has a big brand name. They're with some little website or blog or whatever. They're not going to yep. announce it, but they're happening every day. And so that affects the composition of the panel, affects the representativeness, affects the profiling they have, affects everything. And so people, buyers need to understand that. Again, I'll restate this. This was a good move by Scent. They should have done this. This is what our industry needs to be doing. But there's an impact to this that I hope researchers understand very clearly that when you see disruption in data, it's because of this, things like this. And so to mitigate that, there are ways to mitigate about it, mitigate around that and ensure that you're giving data to your clients that's they can be confident in the decision-making and reduce the risk and all that. Um, but as researchers, we, we have to align on understanding the risk. And that means transparency. This is very transparent. Now, they're transparent probably because they wanted to brag about this a little bit, but this, mm -hmm. is an, this is a transparent way that a panel is changing. And I wish there was more of this, and I wish there was more discussion around when panels change, what the impact is. I think a lot of times we're not transparent. A lot of times it's hidden. A lot of times it's not, I'm not saying it's, uh, they're doing what they think is right when they add more um, quality controls to their panel, when they add more verification processes, when they have more deals, when they have better profiling techniques, when they do all these things, that affects data. Man, that was a soapbox I didn't think I'd get on today. Um, that's what I think of that story, Brian. <laughs> I give you a lot to work with. You, right you did. <laughs> or maybe nothing to work with. I don't know. No, I agree with what you're saying here. It is going. It is a good thing because that's a maybe 40 million more users that maybe weren't necessarily in the pool that there before, but also that it is going to change data when you're adding that kind of stuff. So if you can, <clears throat> when you're looking for changes, that's one of those reasons. Yep. So, so. again, I'm not being critical of sin at all. In fact, I'm applauding sin for both the move and being transparent about it. But, and every panel does it, by the way. You just don't know it. Hey, come at me with questions or feedback on that one. And I know people yeah. who say, look at this, I'd love to, maybe we should have someone <laughs> sent on. 
Should we have, um, should we set the timer for how quickly you get an email? Probably well soon, honestly. Um, but we haven't had somebody from Synth on in quite a while. Love, come on and talk about this. Tell, you can come on and tell people about all the benefits. We'd love to have it, honestly. Mm-hmm. I want to learn more about it. What kind of profile do they have? How does this deal happen? 40 million people. Like, how do you, what do you do with that to look across all the other panels that you support for duplication? And I, I don't know, I'm fascinated by it as a sample nerd. So we'll reach out to Synth. We're kind of halfway joking, but we, yeah. we should have been on. All right, our next story kind of follows some similar lines here. Kantar is selling its specialist healthcare business to M3 Global. The proposed sale will comprise the healthcare business of Kantar's profiles division, which offers healthcare data for research agencies, healthcare consultancies, and the pharmaceutical companies, and Kantar Media Healthcare Research, and more. This comes after Kantar sold Kantar Health back in 2021. Um, interesting move. I think it's a good move for both companies. M3 focuses on healthcare. And so adding this asset is probably excellent for the industry and for M3. Um, it's probably good for Kantar to divest, divest itself yeah. of this asset. Um, I feel like, this is just my opinion, I could be wrong. Kantar, I don't think they want to be in the panel business. Kantar is really the insights and consulting. They're all over the place in other businesses. They have lots of panels. They have heritage panels that we've probably heard of. If you've been in research for a long time, they have really incredible panels. You don't hear much about them anymore. Um, I don't know if this is a move to divest themselves of all their panels. Probably not, but it might be. Um, but good move for M3. Good move probably for, for um, Kantar. I like the specialist panels, like M3 is a specialist panel. And so giving them more assets is always a good thing. So I'll take it from a different perspective. I don't think they're divesting of their panel business. I think they are more divest. They are divesting and getting of that out of that healthcare business. It seems to be the last remaining components of the healthcare business. And maybe they see like, hey, this is in our core competency. We got rid of Cantar Health already. Why are we still fo- have some focus on this? Let's yep. move on from this and focus on what we're good at. You're probably right. And I can't even imagine what a company has to do that does a lot of healthcare stuff. I mean, regulations, the re- regulatory environment that we talked about just in normal research. I can't even imagine what that's like when you start talking about PII and pharmaceuticals and healthcare. Um, that gets really complicated. So that might be part of it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. All right. Our next story. The European Union has approved a draft version of the EU's AI Act, which sets out plans to regulate the use of AI technology. If approved into law, it would include a complete ban of the use of AI for biometric surveillance, emotional recognition systems for law enforcement, border management, the workplace, and educational institutions, and predictive policing among a variety of other things. It would also mean that AI systems like ChatGPT would have to comply with transparency requirements, like saying if content such as images or copy, etc., was generated by AI or were deep fakes. Um, There's a lot there. I've got a lot to say about this. You probably do too. Yep. All right. 
Number one, I'm impressed that the EU can get together and put something together so quick. We in the US, we can't do anything. And you know, the EU is relatively new with a very different group of groups of people. I don't know how they did it, first of all. Secondly, I don't know how this is gonna be correct or the right thing to do. Do you remember you remember this? I know you do. We talked about it when all the social media people went in front of Congress, Twitter, and Facebook, and it was very clear that no one in Congress knew anything about technology and platforms. And we learned that watching TV, like, oh my God, that is a stupid question. My guess is the EU is in the same position. God, it has to be. These aren't AI experts. They're legislators and, and politicians. And so I hope they got it right. I think that's a good move. It sounds good. Um, I feel like in the U.S. we have to do something, but I don't trust the people that are going to do something to get it right. I mean, I don't know. I'll stop there. (laughs) So in seeing this, I think it's going to have some good components of it. I like that you need to have AI systems when they're creating content. This is generated by chat gpt or any other generative ai this image was this that it helps stop the fake items where you're seeing more and more of that pop up like i mean you saw that the joe rogan was suing because they had someone used ai to fake an entire one of his podcasts yeah yeah like his voice everything i mean that's going to be that's going to cause a lot of problems someone's going to die because of a deep fake soon it's gonna be really horrible right it's gonna happen so and then it poses into question a lot of other things like how can you trust anything you either see or read or anything and you know in the past three years i don't think anybody trusts anybody more than they did before right no matter where you stand politically you probably trust a lot of stuff less Right, and this is only going to cause that to go right. down more. Yeah. I mean, tying it back, I hopefully there's something in there <laughs> around market research components, I'm sure, or hopefully that transparency requirement well, gets to that where it's coded into the AI. They talked about, um, where was it at? About the about elections and, polit- I think it was elections where they said that's considered high risk. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, AI systems used to influence voters in the outcome of elections. So that would assume survey research, um, polling. Right. Yeah, so that we're going to be in, in the EU. That's going to affect us. We'll probably hear about this soon. We haven't really gone deep on AI yet. We've been kind of tinkering on the outskirts of it. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if we should. Like, we're gonna, we would record a podcast about AI. And did you ever watch the Today Show? Where they, you've seen the clip of the Today Show where they talk about the internet. It I don't think so. And and um, so it was like I don't know, nineteen ninety three. Okay. And they were trying to try just talking out loud about what the internet was. Looking back on it, it's laughable because they're you know all of us were in the same boat. But it's like oh, we didn't couldn't even comprehend what the internet was in nineteen ninety. Right. That's where we kind of are with AI to a certain. Yep. So I'd be scared to record a podcast. I, I would agree. Like, oh, you guys are idiots. Kind of like what we, our COVID podcast. I, that's the one that comes to mind. February 2020, we sound like idiots. If you go back and listen to that one. 
Um, Actually, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get a big uptick. But um, I'm surprised. Again, surprised that you got something together so quick. It was, it was 499 votes in favor and 28 against. So it was like very well received. It's about as, about as unanimous as you're going to get with that group. Yeah. So, God, and what's our Congress doing right now? You know, we're going after Donald Trump and Hunter Biden. That's what, yeah. <laughs> that's what we're doing. Yep. Meanwhile, AI will take over the world. Skynet. <laughs> that's right. Saying this for a while. We better move on. Okay. Our last story. Uh, Question Pro has acquired Pathos AI, an AI platform that identifies stated and non-stated emotions based on what people say, how they say it, and how they move, and also measures what drives these emotions and how it will impact their future behavior. This Ooh. will not they plan on incorporating it into Question Pro's research and insights mm-hmm. platform. Um this is what we've been talking about for a while. Well yeah. companies build it or will they buy it? Well, Question Pro is gonna buy it. And um, good move. Um, this sounds perfect, right? Yeah. Uh, they have a platform and now these this company can analyze consumer emotions and motivations and with predictive stuff. Man, good job, Question Pro. And just don't change your name. Pathos AI, the AI companies and these new companies, they got to come out with something clever and cool and hip. Mm-hmm. I get that. But don't, don't, don't infiltrate our industry and be like question path AI. No, stay, stay in your lane. We'll acquire you. We'll merge with you. We'll take your money, but we're still going to be question pro. We're still going to be survey monkey. Man. And you Is can still... Transform our industry. You can still do the same stuff. As our listeners can tell, you were fired up by the name change today. <laughs> I feel like I've been vindicated. You know, this is the energy I needed. We we were not alone on the hill. You know, there were other people behind us tell, yelling they're on the same team. And we probably got some a little bit of momentum on our side. Question pro. Good move, though. This sounds awesome. All it's right. Awesome. That is all our news for this week. Yeah. That well, is, yeah. Thanks for listening. If there's anything you like in terms of feedback, I was probably a little more opinionated than normal. Um, do you like that? Do you hate that? Am I wrong? Um, love some feedback on it. Let us know. And we'll be back soon. I think we're going to be talking about quality here for the next couple episodes. So oh, more soapboxes to come, everybody. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.